This morning I received a, a text message from someone who uh, wishes to promote the Eucharistic adoration, someone who wishes to involve a number of people who would pray and prepare themselves to do a type of work on behalf of the sick and dying. And so they uh, built a, like a home so that the, with the bishop's permission, they have Eucharist there. And, and then all of a sudden there's lots of persecution. They don't want the people to be there. And so she wrote to me and she said, the gospel today really consoles me. <laughs> If the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love its own. Because you do not belong to the world, and I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Throughout the centuries, if we were to look at the early church, look at the, uh, the persecution that took place right from the start. First in Jerusalem, obviously, we know that Jesus died, um, was persecuted, not only by the chief priests, the uh, leaders of the people, but also ultimately by Romans. And then we also know that, that after the, especially after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's quite a bit of persecution in a church. As you know, the first leader of the of the Jerusalem church, James, he offered his life. We know what happened to Stephen, the first deacon. And so the persecution would take upon an early church a type of waves. You know how Nero persecuted the Christians in Rome. We know that throughout the early church we have these waves and waves of persecution. And the question is why? Why would the good news be so rejected? Why would such a good news be rejected? Why there was always seemingly those who seem to oppose Christianity uh, and whether it's for small group reasons, ethnic reasons, political reasons, government reasons, it seems to be always there. And it's not, no, it's not just early church. I looked at a magazine called Voice of the Martyrs. I have received early on, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the martyrs from Lithuania, the Catholic Church being persecuted under the Soviet rule. I remember speaking with someone who was actually a cardinal from Belarus, who I had the pleasure of driving around when he came to the States. I was his chauffeur for a while. And so it was a, just a great opportunity for me to, to hear him he spent about 25 years in Gulag, one of the, you know, hard labor camps in Russia. He told me how it happened, and and that he could have been freed any day if he just denied Christ. They would let him go. We know of the cardinal also in Vietnam. We know the uh, persecutions which took place. So not going back too far, maybe, you know, in the 20th century, 
But I, I looked and, you know, I started looking at the persecution. According to statistics, there's over 360 million Christians living in places where they experience high level of persecution and discrimination. So 360 million. Last year, there was almost 6,000 Christians who were killed for their faith. There were over 5,000 churches and other Christian buildings which were attacked. And I am referring to speaking throughout the world. And there's, uh, uh, according to exact statistics, 4,765 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned for their faith. And so what we have here with us is a is is very difficult reality. And why why would Christianity, why would Christians be persecuted? Well, I remember, you know, with the, under communism, it was very simple. The authorities were afraid of Christians. Simple, very simple, because that means they could not impose a certain way of looking around the world. They could not impose uh, their correct thinking because Christians seem to have another source of knowledge, another source of freedom. And that's why Christianity was always a threat, especially to authoritarian governments, because they would not allow them to enforce uh, type of, you know, structures thinking, you know, in early church was, you know, the, the desire on the part of Roman government was to make sure that everybody worshiped in the same way, honored Caesar as God, and the Christians would do it, which means they were rebellious, but they were considered to be revolutionaries. Um, there were threats to, to these st structures, but there's also a type of suspicion outside of the majority within a cultural environment, even here in our country. You know, the type of media, if you do not follow certain ideology, you're, you're exposed to ridicule, you know, can be considered called by names, whatever it may be. And, and so it happens throughout centuries. Uh, there's also different extremist groups. They want to eliminate Christianity. And I, I know, in, um, you know from our priests, some of, not our priests, but priests from Nigeria, I know, you know, with the, and everybody knows too, the Boko Haram, which, you know, Christian villages are attacked. They're burned on, people are killed, young women, girls are taken into, into a type of slavery or re-education, re and it's taking place. So there's also these types of groups which are going, but then you have also like a, a, like a government, uh, which is the um, uh, so cultural domination and, you know, it's like in China or so, Korea or other places too, where it's an enforced way of thinking. You cannot, you know, be someone outside of the group. Sometimes, you know, the majority today, many in the government in India too, would wish to impose sort of, if you're India, from India, you have to be Hindu. Or, or you know, you have to be part of a particular group. At any rate, the reason I'm bringing here is not because it's a fact, because Jesus says that if all of you who follow me will have to experience difficulties. If they treated me that way, they'll also treat you. And where, whatever source it may come from, 
but there's a, there's a huge consolation for us because Jesus says that he'll be with us. He'll give us words. He'll give us um, the power to stand firm. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, when, I, when you saw the Christians who were beheaded in the Middle East for their faith, the courage of these people, the courage of those who were willing to die for their faith, the courage. And, you know, and, and, and the courage is, comes not from them, because humanly speaking, no one would wish to be harmed, torture, torture or die. But the courage comes from the power of God from within, the love of God, the love of God. And when, it, when the early Christians saw their brothers and sisters being, um, you know, burned to death or, you know, exposed to wild animals or so, uh, they saw in their faces joy, not fear, joy. Why? There was a belief, and it's true, that Christ suffered in them. They wouldn't have to suffer. At the moment when they would have to experience suffering, Christ would suspend them, because otherwise there's no way to explain someone who would be uh, exposed, whether it's burned or, or where, in whatever fa fashion of death they, they, were, they were exposed to. They did not have fear. How about the, you know, those who were crucified in Japan and they were singing hymns to God? They should have experienced extreme suffering, and yet they didn't. They're encouraging each other. These are witnesses. So what happens? It's, it's, it's a known reality, the gift that God gives of himself, the gift of resurrection, the gift of knowledge of God, the gift of knowledge of our glory, future glory. All those things contribute to the reality that we who are here walk the journey, carry the cross for Jesus, however, in whatever shape it may be, that we are actually bringing forth the power to transform this world from hate to love, from this darkness and confusion to knowledge, to truth and light, from, from misery to actually joy. Because that's what God gives us. This is why Christ came to this earth. He wanted to give us something special, something unusual, something extraordinary that human beings cannot have on their own. Without God, we cannot attain. No matter what type of philosophies we embrace, no matter what type of ideologies we try to, to live according, or perhaps you know, any forms of new age or whatever it may be, it doesn't work doesn't work. It gives temporary maybe relief for something. It doesn't give that fulfillment of who we are because, again, as I often quote St. Augustine, who is so contemporary in thinking and because he did everything. He did everything the way we do today. And he says, God, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. There is no other way. The other way is drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, things that we think is going to diminish our worries, fears, diminish our confusion, diminish our anxieties. They do only temporary, but that means we diminish our humanity. We are no longer capable of doing good because we're only looking for the fix, just to get that fix so that we, that we will have to face reality, harsh reality. But God is the one. 
God is the one who offers himself and he gives us. He can heal, he can strengthen, he can transform, he can help us to open up and remove the, the shackles of the addictions. He can remove the shackles of trappings of our own making or other people making because perhaps they wish to do make money on us and they, they trap us. God is here with us. This is why St. Paul was willing to suffer and go. And you know, as today we have the description, the continuing description of, of the missionary journey did you go? Yes, he returned to Iconium where, and Derby and Conium where he was stoned and he would return back there once and then he'd come back again, not being afraid of those who wish to harm him or kill him. And then the second aspect is when you look at the Acts of the Apostles, which were written by St. Luke, which, you know, he, he, was a, he was also part of Paul, St. Paul's missionary journey, so he knows. He knows what happened. He knows he's very detailed oriented. And what you would say is that St. Paul also was very attentive to the movement of grace. And, and, you know, there's a Northern portion of, of Turkey for some reason, you know, the, you know, at that time, you know, the St. Paul speaks of not being able to, to go to, a, to a place, you know, uh, the Phrygian, uh, the, the territory that he was not able to go to, uh, you know, to, um, you know, known as Mysia, Mysia and places like that. And he says, you know, the spirit of Jesus would not allow me. For some reason, the Lord protected him. And then he had this dream and he says, I want you to go to Macedonia, go to the mainland of Greece. That's where you are to go. And, and, and he decides to go there, not knowing where, what's going to be there. And yet he goes. And so, so what we have here is, is how to not to be afraid of the difficulties and persecutions. What do we do? What can we do? I spoke to a priest who was with us from, from Africa, who he is in the area where there's Boko Haram activity. And uh, he's a convert. He became, he was he was a Muslim who became Christian, Catholic, and he was ordained. And so what he did is he initiated a rosary prayer to protect the villages and for the conversion of those who have embraced this whole uh, Boko Haram ideology and, and activity. And he says, so, the, so, so the, the people prayed and they were praying rosary, or praying rosary. And so praying the rosary, and, and he says, eventually, he says, several hundred who were part of the Boko Haram came back, gave up their, their uh, participation belonging to the group. And, and, you know, people were shocked, they were coming. And it actually, he did give me a number, but I don't know, it's 470 or 560, something like that, I can't remember, but it was quite a bit. And he says, and the people were surprised. They all of a sudden realized that they do have power of prayer. And I was thinking about that. Uh, there was also another bishop who said he lives also in northern Nigeria, where majority are Muslims. And he says, he spoke to leaders, a couple of leaders in the Muslim world, you know, the equivalent, he says to me. And he says, you have the beads and we have the beads. 
you have the beads where you say either 33 or, or, or 100 times when you say God is great, God is good, God is merciful, God is this, and they keep on repeating the prayer. He says, you pray your beads, we'll pray our beads, and we'll attain a greater harmony. And he says, somehow it works, works out. And, and so, as I said, I was thinking, I said, what's, what's in a rosary? Because sometimes he said, oh, these, you know, we promise the promises that, that we receive praying the rosary. But what do we, what does the rosary do? First of all, we say six times our father. <laughs> if you just have the one portion, you don't have, you know, the, the full rosary, either you follow 150 or 200. So you multiply by three or by four. Six our fathers. You know what the our father does? Our father. You are in heaven. And then, may your name be made holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Which means we surrender ourselves to the Father. And then we ask for blessings, you know, bread, daily bread, forgiveness of sins, protection from evil. We ask these. So we at least pray six times, you know, on the low short rosary. Then we do what we do. Why do we have this power? Because then we have the angelic proclamation. You know, the Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are among women. You know, the words from the scripture. So we commemorate the great event that the Lord gave us to all humanity. This is the birth of his son, which means we are aware. We are aware of the gospel, of the central core of the gospel. And we ask Our Lady, the Mother of the Son of God, to pray for us. Not just any time now and at the hour of our death. So she's praying for us. We ask her. So how many times do we say that short, you know, the one, 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 one part of the rosary? So we say 53 times this prayer. And then what do we say? Five times we say we honor the Holy Trinity. So when we say pray the rosary, yeah, it is true. But what do we do with that rosary? Okay, those are the only ones, but the other ones is the mysteries itself, mysteries of our faith. You know the the, the you know the three uh, three sets or four sets, which uh, you know, with John Paul II kind of completes the ministry, the, the the life of Christ between the finding of Jesus in the temple and his suffering. So John Paul made sure that we meditate on all the mysteries of the faith. So what do we do? So we pray, yes, the Annunciation and Visitation and Birth of Christ. And then Presentation and Finding of Jesus. And then what do we do? Go in the second session, Mystery of Light, because light came into the world and is affecting us. Not just the Our Lady and Jesus, but affecting all of us. And that, what did we do? So we, so we say, okay, the, the mystery of light, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. This is my beloved son, the baptism, the power of Jesus to over nature. You know, the Cana, Galilee, the water that becomes wine, the first sign, as Our Lady says, you have to do something about it, Jesus. You have to do something. This is a mother talking. Maybe she's taking, telling Jesus today too. That's why we ask her, you know, to intercede for us. Then we have the proclamation of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that has entered this world. Then we have transfiguration, that in Jesus we have Son of God manifested to the disciples. And, and the continuity of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the revelation itself. 
and then establishing of the Eucharist. Very important. So I think John Paul II was very deeply, deeply, not only spiritual and great theologian, but he wished to have us enter the full, the fullness of the mysteries of, of the rosary itself because of the power. And then of course the, the, um, the, the sorrowful mysteries of the Jesus who suffered for us, the agony in garden, the scourging, uh, the, the crowning Jesus carrying over the cross, dying on the cross for us. And then finally what we observe this season, resurrection. And coming up in a couple of weeks, ascension. But I'll not leave you ever as orphans. I'll be with you till the end of time, the promise of Jesus. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we are looking forward after the nine, the first novena. And then we honor Our Lady. As she is taken to heaven, body and soul, she did not. Freed from the original sin, she would not undergo the corruption. And for us, we shall be with the Lord because he's going to take us home just like he did with her because by baptism we were freed from that brokenness, original sin. We have been becoming the body of Christ. The seal was placed on us. Seal, you belong to me. You're my daughter, my son. By baptism, we have received this permanent seal, a character as we speak of. And then finally, what do we have is the crowning of Mary, receiving the crown of glory. Sometimes we see crown, you know, this, but actually is a, is a picture, is a way of saying, metaphorical way of saying crown of life, glory. You know, that maybe aura, whatever it is, the light, whatever it is. Although I have lately seen a car being advertised, having the little saintly aura, which is, you know, supposed to transform everybody. So they take our faith and put it in our car as car is supposed to save us, make us happy. But at any rate, this is what we are waiting for that glory to give that the Lord wishes to give to us, bestow upon us. I know the things that I share with you are not unknown to you. You are here because you love, you're here because you believe, you're here because you wish to honor him. You've traveled, some of you might have traveled quite a bit of distance to be here. But the fact is that the banquet is being prepared by a son of God the banquet of courage, strength, the banquet of, of forgiveness, mercy, the banquet of love, of an eternal life is being prepared. And we have been invited to that banquet and we said, yes, we didn't say an excuse. I bought a farm, I bought a car, or I wanted to fix my house. You came here because you responded to the inspiration of the grace of God. And you said, yes, and so you're here. And for all who participate in daily Eucharist or, or Sunday liturgy or so, they're they're, they were invited as everyone is because God invites everyone, everyone around the world. But we may have some other goods that we wish to attain, desire to complete, whatever it may be. And so we set aside the banquet of God. May, may more and more of us, more Christians, wherever they are, especially those who are persecuted in the many countries, that they may, by partaking of the Son of God, they may continue on this journey of love, that they may not be afraid, that they may be strengthened, even at this very moment, those who are dying for faith or being persecuted, that through our prayer today, 
to the power of Our Lady through her intercession and through Jesus, the Savior, that they may receive those gifts. They may not be afraid. They may stay strong so that by their blood as the early church is to grow because the blood of the martyrs is a seed of Christians. And we here living in our own country, we need to give great example to those who question doubt, wish to silence, wish to ridicule, who wish to even perhaps harm in any some ways. May the Lord be praised. May the Lord, who is the giver of all gifts, be honored by our life. And may one day we share in the banquet of joy in paradise. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.